Hear the word of God from Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. This reading comes from the Common English Bible, but you can find the reading on page 894 in the Pew Bible. In Joppa, there was a a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body, they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter. They urged, please come right away. Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made when she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room, then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. So this past week, I came across an article, and it was titled, When Kids Imitate Others, They Are Just Being Human. It was a child development study, and it was done in 2017, and they determined that uh, imitation is the key mechanism of human culture, and it can underlie many of the intricacies of human social life, including rituals and social norms, they said. During this study, they evaluated that kids readily imitated a researcher's nonsensical actions, but compared to the other animals in the study, they didn't. You see, their willingness to imitate such gestures, they determined, was uniquely human. Imitation seems to be one of those essential skills of being human, I mean, it's how we learn how to talk and do other things. I mean, if you're like me, it's how I learn how to use the iPhone, right? Imitation. Not only that, they said, it was important in cementing social relationships as well. I loved this picture of imitation. This young girl is learning how to shave, just like her dad. Humans like to be imitated, and we like those who imitate us. It makes sense, I think. I mean, think back when you were a kid. Any of you all play dress-up, make-believe in any way? You might find it hard to believe, but I like to play dress-up. And dance around the living room. Loved my grandmother's shoes. They were my favorite. And grab a purse and some pearls. And we were all set for the day. This concept of imitating others actually carries through into adulthood, depending on who you seek out to imitate, 
it can have positive impacts on our life. This week is Nurses Week. Anybody know that? Yes, it is. Thank you, all you nurses, male, female, who contribute and make our world a better place. Um, May 6th starts Nurses Day, and it ends on May 12th, which is today. It's Florence Nightingale's birthday. Florence Nightingale was the mother of modern-day nursing. And you see, I know this because I come from a family of nurses. My mother was a nurse. Her two sisters were a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse. My grandfather drove the ambulance. As a matter of fact, my father's grandmother came from Italy, couldn't speak English, but she was known as the healer because she was a midwife. And she took those premature babies and she made an incubator out of the dresser drawer and hot water bottles during the Depression. In college, I thought, well, I'm going to try out this family legacy of being a nurse, right? So that's what I majored in first semester. But who was I kidding? I faint at the drop of my blood. I mean, down, I have to go. And you ask anyone, when I get sick, get a little bit of nervous Nelly and can go straight to uncertainty right away. My sister was like, I don't know what you're thinking. This is not in our genes. You got to give this one up, Deb. And I did. The second semester, I transferred to the business school. Matter of fact, none of my cousins imitated this nursing gene in our family. But I would like to think we learned something from them, like how we care for or gives ourselves to service to others. We don't always get it right, but we do try, I'd like to think, most days. Well, today, in our scripture, we find two characters who also choose to imitate another. Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. The scriptures tell us he's been touring around the region after the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's been doing what Jesus commissioned to do, go and make disciples. He's been teaching them the way. He's been baptizing others. People were learning about Jesus. They were experiencing God's love and grace and mercy for themselves. And they began to discover what this new life of faith looked like, one centered on loving God and loving others. The scripture tells us that Peter was in a nearby city when a fellow disciple had died and others sent for him to come. And while the Healing and resurrection of Tabitha is the center of our story. As we dug a bit deeper this week, we realized that this story reflected a way in which the two main characters, Tabitha and Peter, imitate Jesus. So let's take a look at both of them for a moment here. Let's start off with Tabitha. First off, the scripture tells us in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Let me pause right there. A disciple named Tabitha, and she's a woman. This is the first time a woman is named a disciple in the scriptures in the early church. The text goes on to tell us what her life looked like as a disciple. It tells us that her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of others. Here in these few short verses, we get a picture of what it looked like for her to imitate Jesus in her life of discipleship. 
her life overflowing with good works, caring for others who were in need. You can almost hear the impact that her life made on others through the tears of those widows as they displayed the garments that she made in her lifetime. Here were these women celebrating the life of a fellow sister in Christ and remembering her. About a month ago, I walked into the Harnish Activities Center one day, and I was greeted by some of our church members that were in the kitchen. They were cooking up a batch of those love meals that we make. See, we make love meals. They're meals that can go out to folks who've either come home from the hospital or they go to folks who've recently lost a loved one. They were in there uh, preparing the meals and getting them ready, and on that day, Kay Murphy, Celia Furman, Neville were in that kitchen. They were getting it ready, ready to cook up Kay's chicken soup and casserole. If any of you have had it, it's wonderful. I walked into the lobby area there, and there Celia was sitting at a table, and she had a big stack of those containers that all the stuff goes in. And there she sat doing this mundane task of, like, labeling those lids. I asked her how she was doing. She said she was doing really well. And then she proceeded to tell me this story. She told me that when she was a younger woman in this church, she had the privilege of being in a small group with a woman named Emma Lou Grable. Some of you may know of her. From what I understand, she was a faithful disciple here. She loved this church. She was a mentor to many in a variety of ways. As a matter of fact, this Easter, Vicki was wearing this beautiful cross, and I asked her where she got it from, and she said, Emma Lou. Well, the story goes, one day, Emma Lou was called into the pastor's office to help out with a special project. And she was a capable and gifted leader, and um, she was excited about this opportunity. And she wondered what it could be. I mean, he was calling me into the office. It must be something pretty important. So she went into the office to meet with the pastor. She sat down. He thanked her for the ways in which she had been serving and her gifts. And then he proceeded to describe a ministry that really needed some special attention. He said, you see, there's pencils that are in every one of the pews that people write their names on um, for the attendance pads. And he said, the thing is, we need somebody who can sharpen those pencils every week and put them in the pews every, uh, each week. And he wondered if she could do that. I mean, he thought she would be gifted for that. She said, the story goes, she um, graciously responded, and then she headed out to do her work. But to hear Celia tell it, she confessed to her small group that as she began that task, she did it rather grudgingly. As she sharpened each one of those pencils, thinking, really, this is all he thinks I am capable of doing around here is sharpening these pencils? Well, it passed Apparently, after mulling it over for a while, she realized she needed to have a bit of an attitude adjustment, and she chose to see the task through the eyes of Christ. She told her group that she began to realize those pencils that are in every pew, well, they're held by people who come to church here every single Sunday. You know, those people, they're coming together to worship God right here in this place. They come with joys on their hearts. And some of them are coming with some concerns, too. And so as she started sharpening those pencils, she realized she could be praying for those folks who are coming in his place. 
So she started to do that. She put those pencils, pew, seat by seat. She prayed over those, each and every one. On Sunday, she started to pay attention to who was sitting in those seats. She was now able to start praying for them by name. She put those pencils out week by week. Everybody here was getting prayed for by this hidden disciple from a simple task of sharpening some pencils. As Celia told me that story, my eyes began to be filled with tears as I realized how this disciple was imitating Jesus in her love and her compare for everyone. Miss Celia took that label and stuck it on each one of those lids. I realized I was watching a fellow disciple imitating Jesus just like she had been taught. Each one of those love meals is prayed for by the team of people who send them out. And I realized how many countless other ministries we have that do that. Those prayer shawls, those prayers that are knitted into the blankets that are given out, those stitches that are weaved into those little dresses that are sent to children. There are countless ways in this church that we get to see God's love being made real by people using their gifts and their faith to bring hope and love to others. You know, the idea that in the early church a woman would be celebrated for her actions or that she would get raised from the dead was surely a surprising twist in that culture and context of the time. Tabitha was a woman who seemed to inspire many. And so I wonder, who are the Tabithas and the Emma Lou's in your life? You know, those faithful disciples that show up, who show you how to live your better self? Maybe today is a great day to remember them. You know, Tabitha and Peter, they were both disciples who chose to imitate Jesus in their life and in their ministry. But I mean, let's be honest, imitating Jesus is not easy, right? I mean, to begin, the world gives us plenty of other opportunities to imitate others who don't quite look like Jesus, right? I mean, look at a magazine or a television. We don't have to go far. Truth is, it takes intentionality and practice to cultivate a life that's directed on imitating Jesus. But like Emma Lou and Tabitha, they learned they needed to do it in relationship with other people, to learn together, to grow together in their life of faith. I mean, we all live these busy and full lives, and it doesn't take much to, like, push us over the edge. But when we try, we can do it together in community with one another, and we don't have to do it perfectly either. I mean, perfection in our actions is not the goal. Perseverance is. Which is what makes me think of Peter. Peter, for me, is a wonderful example of this because despite all he faces in his journey of faith, Peter never gives up. And when Peter fails, he gets right back in the ring and he tries again and again. Peter continues to show up. He continues to imitate Christ. And he trusts the outcome to God. 
And that brings me to the story that we see Peter in here today. While it's a story of resurrection, it's actually an uncanny replication of a story that Peter once witnessed when he stood over the shoulder of Jesus when a young girl had died. You see, back in the Gospel of Mark, we read of the story when Jesus is brought to go visit a little girl who just died and brings her back to life. And in that story, Jesus takes a few of the disciples with him, one of which is Peter. We can see in this story a familiar pattern and process where Peter is summoned by a messenger to the bedside and we have weeping bystanders, just like in the story with Jesus. And then just like Jesus did, Peter asks the mourners to leave the room. And then Peter kneels and he prays, allows God to do whatever God would do in that moment. But then he turns to the body and he says, Tabitha, get up. Peter uses the same language that Jesus did with the little girl. He even models him by reaching out his hand to the um, to Tabitha. And I got to wondering, you know, when the disciples invited Peter to come, did they expect him to raise her from the dead? I mean, did, did Peter expect that he would do that? I like how one commentary put it. He said, sometimes we don't know what to expect, but we do know we can turn to God for help and trust God to determine the rest. You know, you and I, we may, may never witness a resurrection like that, but it's clear that Jesus wants him, us to imitate him and to do that on a daily basis. And so I wonder, what could you do this week to pattern your life after Jesus? Is there a place you need to show up and imitate him, trust the outcome? The book of Ephesians invites us all to be imitators. It says, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, we may never know the healing impact of our service and love it can have on another person. I mean, who knows how sharpening a pencil can transform a human heart? I mean, who knows what impact those prayers that are weaved into those shawls or stitched into those little dresses or placed upon those love meals will have on those who receive them. But Tabitha and Peter, they show us a life that was lived out of a new faith that they found in Jesus. They had been transformed by God's love and forgiveness, and they chose to share that love with others. They used their gifts and service, and they grew in their faith together with fellow disciples. When you think about it, Peter and Tabitha, they had both experienced resurrection long before this story ever happened. This story reminds me 
that resurrection to new life in Christ is always possible through the love that comes from God, right? And every day we have opportunities to imitate God's loving kindness, even in small, hidden ways. Maybe the question for us today is where do you need to see Jesus reaching out his hand to you and saying, beloved child of God, rise up. Is there something in the past you need to let go of? Is there a future you're ready to step into? Rachel Held Evans says this. She said, whenever we show others the goodness of God, whenever we follow our teacher by imitating his posture of humble and ready service, our actions are sacred and ministerial. You see, all of us are called, called to a life of presence and of God's loving kindness. You see, when we choose to show up and imitate the teacher that we have in Jesus, well then, maybe, like Peter and Tabitha, as we trust God for the outcome, we might be surprised too. Mother Teresa says this. She said, it's not the magnitude of our actions, but the amount of love that goes in them that matters. May we give thanks this week for all of those who've shown us what God's love looks like. I'd like to close with a prayer from a few words from a hymn writer named Francis Havergales, and it's Take My Life and Let It Be. Let's pray. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take our moments and our days, let them flow in endless praise. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart as is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in God's tithes and offerings this morning.